and then take it away. Well, this area didn't have all those thin trees that were really close to each other. It had bigger oaks that were kind of far apart. Yeah, so there, there were more shooting lanes. Yeah, but they were. we had to wait for the elk to... It was like almost just the width of an elk was the lane that we had, and they were all coming across this line while they were feeding. So some of them would take a few steps too far. Some of them would just start walking by. Some of them would... Yeah, that that's yeah, basically the, the three scenarios. A, a pair came, like yes. stacked on top of each other, and you... So I'm so glad you you handled yourself really well passing on not great shots because I was so, I was about to say like don't shoot the two like because <laughs> you know I please don't shoot two elk yeah. at once. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So. Pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. Well, everybody, it's a special day on the Hunting Stories podcast, because I have, uh, I've had a lot of great guests, uh, people that are awesome, that are friends, uh, but this is, must be the most special guest I've ever had on my podcast, and it's my oldest son, Hendrick. Hello. That was said with so much confidence. <laughs> so much confidence. <laughs> Which is not you. He's typically a remarkably confident young man. It's actually a problem we're working <laughs> on. Uh, but Hendrick is here because, uh, buddy, you shot your first ever animal this year. I did. Yeah, yeah. You, exactly. And uh, and what did you shoot? An elk. Yes, you did. Uh, what kind of elk? A cow elk. There we go. It's important. Um, Vocabulary. Yeah, and I didn't want to just like get up here and tell his story. So I wanted to invite the young man who has his budding man voice uh, to tell the story in his own words. Uh, And so we'll just, I mean, we hunted together, so we'll try to bounce off each other. We'll probably mess up. We'll make each other laugh. Uh, But we're going to tell an awesome story. So my boy, up to now, uh, tell them in your own words uh, your hunting experience so far and you can throw me under the bus it's okay it's been kind of fun i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's the phrase that makes me die inside <laughs> no it, this one was really fun but before that i've been on a few javelina hunts in very rocky terrain with a rifle that was kind of digging into my back a little bit and then we did i had that deer hunt which yes, was fun, except it was also very rocky. And the second day, I almost threw up because I was hiking in rocky terrain with nothing but peanut butter crackers with my oh, nine-year-old about body. That one. Yeah, you didn't even have a tag. You just came along, oh, right? Didn't? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, we drug you along, and we made you push it a little harder than we should have. I was there for the chili. Yes, you <laughs> yeah, which was the only highlight for you. That was really good. That was a rough hunt. And then I, I was thinking of the last deer tag you had yes, out at the farm. Yes, up at the farm. Yeah. Which I got a shot off on Elliot with the one antler. Yes, the one antler deer we named Elliot. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie Open Season, go watch it right now. Uh, After this. And you had you shot the night before, like very last yeah. night you got a shot off, but all clean misses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it was, no blood anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was. I was very adrenaline-y with my tiny body that wouldn't handle that. And it's <laughs> <laughs> very weird when you say it that way. Go on. <laughs> And it was all, it was a kind of far shot. I mean, it was, oh, no, it was, it was definitely, definitely a straight shot because it was just in the middle of an alfalfa field. But yes, but it was it was farther than I 
my personal zone I was trying to keep you within was 200 yards, and both of those deer were closer to 300 yards. Oh, like wow. It, it, yeah. was, it was out there. Uh, it was a poke for a young shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was we couldn't get any closer. So it, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have had you shot. But uh, what's done is done, and none of the animals were wounded, so yeah. it's fine. But So you went into this hunt now. You'd been on some hunts. They were, in your words, kind of fun. Kind of fun. <laughs> I had a lighter rifle this time, and I'm stronger. I, those yes. were very good factors. That is, I think, if we'll just we'll dig right into lessons learned for uh, all you dads out there. Um, I definitely didn't cater the early hunts to my son's age or physical ability. Um, and so uh, some of that, I soured him on hunting a little early on because in his mind, first of all, I didn't scout them out well. And, uh, so, you know, we would go out and not see anything. So in his mind, he's like 10 and he's got this old wooden rifle slung over his shoulder and a pack and we're hiking up and down these hills and like just gassed. So in his mind, why would I go through all this pain and suffering to see nothing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's on me. I screwed that up. Uh, but now you're this strapping young man who is officially taller than me. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. I think about it every day. Um, so yes, 13, six foot one plus, uh, with a size 13 foot, uh, and you're in better shape than I am at this point. Not in terms of like upper body strength, but <laughs> well, that's fair. But, but in terms of like, I appreciate you saying that by the way, I, I, that, that just strokes my ego. Uh, but I mean, you're, you play club soccer, yeah. you have hours and hours of soccer practice every week. Mm-hmm. Like your endurance is just off the charts. Yes. That made hiking much, much easier. Yes, yes, it did. So, which we will get into because that first day that we're going to talk about. Oh my gosh. We put on 13 miles that day, my friend. Yeah, and part of it was down a cliff face. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll get to the cliff face. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here's, uh, here's the. We'll, we'll just. Here's where the hunt began. Uh, Hendrick finally drew. I've been putting him in since he was 10. Finally drew. Arizona has a really awesome youth cow rifle elk tag. Uh, so the season is early October, like all the archery guys are, have done their thing. I think maybe the muzzleloader guys have been in and out. And then they give this like one little week where the youth can get in there into a a very high population unit and they can take a cow out of the herd. So it's an area I knew well, uh, it's where I shot my first bull. Uh, it's where pretty much any Arizona elk hunting I do happens up in this area. So I knew we were going to find elk unless the apocalypse happened. Uh, so I was not worried about that. We just had to get on them. So we're hunting out of the family cabin. We wake up, whatever. It's early. We finally get there. How does the first day begin from your perspective? And I'll just fill in if you get anything wrong. I'm tired and my memory is not great right now. But <laughs> if I remember correctly, we were hiking around. You have your go hunt maps all mapped out you have all of the spots and everything that you want and so you knew where we were going and i was just kind of let you said i have decision making ability but i decided to let you lead for most of it because i knew where you were going (laughs) that was your decision Mm -hmm. and so we were hiking around to uh, i think a few tanks we bounced in between Mm -hmm. uh, maybe chasing a few bugles yeah early in the morning we were chasing bugles and then we would kind of run out of something, and we, usually we didn't find them just early in the morning. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, we heard some bugles. We were heading that ju- direction. Mm-hmm. We stopped at a couple tanks and just, you know, sat down, ate a snack. Yeah. 
we heard some gunshots we while we were eating the snack and hoped that it, they might spook something into our area. They did not. Um, but then every over the course of the day, you just kept your answer was I would always give you like the option like, well, we could uh, we could go over here. We could, you know, sit down and rest by this tank. And your option was pretty much always like or we could just put on our packs and keep walking miles and miles and miles. Guys, I want to tell you real quick about one of the most game changing memberships in my entire hunting arsenal. Go hunt. I've had an insider membership for a few years now, and it's absolutely changed how I find hunts, where I buy gear, and in the last year, it's changed how I e-scout and use maps in the field. Honestly, I think an insider membership is a necessity for anyone who plans to hunt multiple states across the West. But Go Hunt also just released their Explorer membership, which gives you access to the maps for all 50 states, plus their incredible gear shop, and all the benefits that it offers for a fraction of the cost of the full insider membership. So whether you want to go all in with the draw odds, the gear, and the maps as an insider, or you just want to get incredible desktop and mobile maps while building points towards top-of-the-line gear, Go Hunt has a membership that'll fit your hunting life. And if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll get money towards the gear shop right out of the gate. Uh, for insiders, you'll get 50 bucks to the gear shop, and Explorer members will get 20 So head over to Go Hunt and use the code LATE to snag your free gear and take your planning and mapping game to whole new levels today. So on all of the hunts I've been on before, most of it has been sitting and glassing into a canyon or glassing out into this large area, and I just didn't like it. I remember on that deer hunt specifically, I started laying on pointy rocks just because I was tired. That might have been the day that I had only peanut butter crackers, but... Oh, yes. Yes. You do always get bored. You're always the kid who's like, I think I see something over there. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, I don't think that's a thing. You're like, well, I'm going to go down and check it out. Mm -hmm. Okay, buddy, you go ahead. I only did that because I was bored. (laughs) I I know, but I let you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So because of your attention span, you wanted to just stay on the move. Yeah. I didn't want to spend a bunch of time sitting and glassing when I can hike now. You certainly can. And it's not really glassable terrain really. It's really yeah. like if you're sitting, it's it's thick timber, it's pretty like flat, but uh but full of elk. And so you basically either you kind of still hunt, like just walk through slowly and, and try to stumble up on something, or you chase bugles. Uh I figured it was a little late to be like calling in uh bulls that we'll get to how that actually did happen at one point um so yes we're, we're just chasing bugles and about i mean it was late morning i think we finally got in on so we had this bull who kept piping off sometimes he would respond to my cow calls other times not so much mm-hmm. he just uh probably depending on if he heard me or not or if he cared or not but we finally creep up we're, we're getting we hear this bugle that sounds i i, I guess he was probably about 150 yards away Right. This is yeah. in like the super thick area, right? And it was closer than it had been every other time. Yes, it was clearly close. Like we'd been chasing distant bugles. This was clearly, oh, he's like, you can hear him like growling and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's right over there. Sort of like you can maybe hear our dog growling because she's a moron. Good metaphor. <sighs> I'm, I'm all about the metaphors. So uh, we're walking through the, like we hear this bugle. We're in this very, very thick bedding area. And I catch some movement up ahead mm-hmm. of some elk moving through. How does this unfold? Well, we it, that area that we were in was very thick with trees. And it's not huge trees and then they're kind of scattered. It's really thin tree trunks, maybe six inches in diameter or longer. Six inches to a foot in diameter. Um, just scattered around really close. So we can see where the elk are, but I can't get down to find any good window to shoot them through. 
Yes, so, shooting lanes were hard to come by. Yeah. So we moved to a second place after I couldn't get a shot off on the herd then. And then from that place, I think we dropped our packs because my head wouldn't go up to lay down and shoot. And then we moved to a third place where I think I was like sitting and using your pack. And then we went to the very last shooting spot, which was we could see the herd was going into this clearing in between two trees where there was like a riverbed. Yeah, there's like this little creek bed, yeah. so it was like the only open spot, and it looked mm-hmm. like they were about to drop out of the thick stuff and cross that. Yeah, so we went to this tree stump right on the edge where I could balance my rifle standing up, and we, we didn't have any time to actually find a better place to shoot, because they, they were coming right on the edge of the forest, so. Yes, they were making, they, they knew, the wind had switched once mm-hmm. in the middle of that. Like I was, I was calling, and that sort of kept them sticking around a little bit. Uh, and they just kept moving and we kept moving trying to get a position the, at some point in that I felt the wind on the back of my neck and they started to take off. So I hopped on the call again uh, and it kind of slowed them down, but they were they weren't going to stick around much longer. So, yes, yeah. we set up in haste on this standing rest and take it away. And so the elk were most of them were on the other side of the creek bed at this point. Yeah, they had already crossed and there was one cow left on the very edge. And I just had to I had to take a shot and see what happened. So I shot, and then I we couldn't exactly see what happened. It was pretty far away, kind of. Yeah, it was uh, one. I think it was somewhere around one fifty. One fifty, and it happened all pretty quickly. So the elk run up into the what is to our left side of the clearing where they were crossing into, and then they hit a fence that's right there, and they turn around and all run back. Yes, they can. So you you fired a shot. Yes. Uh, and we were unsure. Like the elk took off. Like she didn't drop right there. She took mm-hmm. off. Uh, I didn't remember hearing the like the impact of the bullet yeah. into the elk, but you never know. You're also shooting a, a muzzle break, uh, and neither of, us ear had, neither of us had ear protection in because I'm a bad father. Uh, it, it's fine. It just, it happened so fast. I'm I need to recovered by now. I I need to get you a suppressor. It's okay. Um, either way, all of this had just unfolded, uh, and um. I, I remember my favorite thing going back through the footage and editing the film of this hunt. Uh, my favorite thing about this moment was how quickly, like you were just, you shot and then you looked at me and said, I don't know if I got her. It's like, that's okay, bud. And like, I was trying to like debrief and wh- where were you aiming? What happened? And you're like, I, I just don't know. And I'm like, that's okay, bud. We'll go check. And you're like, all right, let's go check. Like you were ready to just throw your rifle over your shoulder and let's yeah. march in there. And I was trying to get you to like, Hey, it's okay. In these situations, usually we just, Settle down for a second. Catch our breath. Let the adrenaline calm down. But you were just like guns blazing. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, but literally guns blazing. Let's go. Um, and so, yes, we we went up to the elk heads, done their U-turn and come back through. Uh, you restrained yourself because your impulse was like, oh, they're there. I should take another shot. It's like, hold up. We don't know if you hit this other one. Let's hold up. Uh, and we walked up. And what did we find? We found tracks and Fresh poop, actually. Yes, you literally scared the poop out of them. Yes. No blood, though. Yeah, no blood, no fur, no no signs of an actual hit. Uh, so we considered, okay, clean miss, we're fine, uh, and decided that that bull was still screaming. Like, mm-hmm. they all took off, and he was bugling, trying to round up his cows, because they got scattered, obviously, in the chaos. Uh, so we just kind of headed off that direction to try to intercept him. Uh, never did find him. We actually might have. Um, we found a herd. We did, we found, we, so we spooked up a couple other cows. Uh, uh, this is like right where we found that dead yeah, uh, spike. It, that's what I was thinking of. So yeah, we also found, like I looked over and I could see what is clearly 
like an elk leg sticking up off the ground. Uh, I'm like, no way. Like it you, from a distance, even you could be like, this looks like an elk in rigor mortis. Like this is this isn't freshly killed, though it would be amazing if somehow we found no blood. But here's your dead elk. Um, and what it was, we found what appeared to be just like a stub spike. Like I've never even really seen one of these. Like the spikes didn't even they weren't even an inch. Like it was just like these like gnarled. I don't know if he had like something funky going on, but like barely coming out of the top of his head. Uh, and someone had clearly the day before made that shot either never found him or walked up and saw that it was technically a, a spike and left it for fear of getting in trouble with Gabe and fish, uh, which PSA is not the way to approach that. Like just <laughs> always best to just be honest and say, this is what happened. And you know, I, I imagine any game and fish officer would look and be like, well, yeah, there's like hardly a stub, like honest mistake. We can sort this out. Pretty sure their policy is if you self-report most of the time, well, if, unless it's a crazy bull that you've clearly shot because it was right there. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard uh, so much of it comes down to the specific officer, right? But I've heard many stories of, especially with youth hunters, honest mistake, we're going to be cool about it, um, especially if you made the initiative to, to report. But anyway, we found that. We saw that. We, we just kind of kept walking. You wouldn't stop to take a break for the life of you because you wanted to just keep going, uh, which I understand. It's fine. And then we... We kind of we were just basically still hunting like there's a lot of little rolling hills. Right. And so we would just kind of creep up where you could suddenly get another vantage point and stop and glass around and look. And finally, I find this bedded bull mm -hmm. uh, who's just sitting there in this other bedding area. Uh, we have good wind and we just kind of creep up and it, it took a while to look and see. But I finally saw a cow head. I figured every bull we'd encountered had cows. So I'm like, surely there are cows in here with him. Uh, so basically got you set up on the rifle and I just said like, Hey, I'm going to call and get him up and see if maybe, uh, his cows will come with him. And how, how did that one unfold? Well, your calling worked for him. It, it worked <laughs> great for him. If this was archery season, that would have been a dead bull. Yeah. The cows <laughs> never followed until he w got winded, but he stood up and stared directly at us for a while at maybe a 70, a hundred yards. Yeah. Somewhere between there when he started. Yeah. And then you kept calling to see if the cows would follow. And he walked up to us within 50 yards. And he's he was a pretty big bull. Oh, I, it, yes. I would have been happy to shoot him. It was kind of insane that none of the cows followed him. Because he went pretty far away from where they were in the first place. Yeah. But they just stayed bedded down until finally the wind switched on us. Yeah. Well, he... So he circled around to get our wind. Yeah. Like, he, we had kind of a crosswind to him. And so he just kept coming on in and circled downwind of us. Uh, and then as soon as he hit that point where I knew he was downwind, he stopped, whipped around and tore off. And then his cows decided to get up and go with him, which it's it's the elk equivalent of when there's a strange sound in the night at home. Yeah. And your wife, not your wife yet someday, uh, but, you know, your wife doesn't come with you to investigate the sound. She sends you out to deal with it. Um, and so apparently that's exactly what they do in the elk community as well. Uh, but it was such a cool encounter. To it was have, very cool. <laughs> have this bull 50 yards from us. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. Um, and so at that point, we were almost back to the truck already. We had made just this massive loop. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just kind of kept still hunting our way towards the truck, ended up at the truck, and it was 2, 3 in the afternoon. So we had several hours of daylight left. And that's when you decided you wanted to investigate the lake. Well, yeah. Uh, 
in the summer when Papa took me out when he got a side by side, we went and we just glassed into the lake and there were huge herds of elk out there. Yeah, like hundreds yeah. of elk. And I yes. thought, this is in my unit. I'm pretty sure it's elk that I'm hunting. Why not <laughs> just have me try Hail Mary into the lake bed and shoot one? It 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 makes so much sense when you put it that way. It does. <laughs> so yeah, so we we spotted them and then we drove around to a, the closest lookout to where they were. Mm-hmm. Um and then decided to climb down uh, what is a very steep cliff face. Uh, we didn't need ropes per se, but there were some sketchy moments. There were. Where I thought like, as his father, should I be taking him here? Uh, I but, almost fell down a few times, but yep. then regained my balance and all is well. Yeah, no broken bones, uh, but we did, yeah, we did some sketchy climbing down to the bottom. And so at the, when we're finally down on their level in the lake bed, they're probably seven, eight hundred yards away ish, um, far enough that my rangefinder was having a hard time picking them up, uh, and the wind was just swirling every which way. Like there, there was no approach. The wind is just swirling down in there. So like, well, we're we're here. Lights fading. Uh, there's a lot of tall grass, right? Yeah, and there was a lot of tall grass. Yeah, it's kind of marshy. Uh, there, were, you know, spots where we had to like try to avoid getting ankle deep in mud water. Um, and just decided to like we kind of crouched low and walked our way on out there, right? Yeah, there was nothing else we could do. The wind was circling, so there was no good path we could try to loop around on them. But that's not going to do anything. Yeah, it was a low percentage shot, but uh, we had nothing better to do. A couple mm-hmm. hours left. You had been talking about doing this all summer, so if nothing else, I figured, well, we'll let the man try, see what happens. Yeah. And what did happen? Well, we got, I think, 388 was your final measurement. Something like that, yeah. We got to 388 on the closest cows who were already being spooked at that point when the entire herd got wind of us and just took off away from us into the lake. Yes. they Like, when you see flocks of birds doing that, like, synchronized, yes. fun, it was like that. Like, they all at once, in one fluid motion, turned and ran away from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just did the walk of shame and yeah. climbed the cliff we had just climbed down. That was fun. So much fun. Especially in all three layers that I should have taken off. Yes, you should have absolutely shed some layers. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention that you were still wearing that many layers. That was a mistake. Um, but yeah, so that that concluded day one. Right, We just yeah. sat down in the truck, sweaty and hot and tired and a little bit ashamed. And uh, just went back to the cabin, ate some food to try again day two. Day two, which was much better. <laughs> You're giving things away now. Oh, That's okay. it's, called, sorry. it's called foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. It's fine. literary devices you're welcome yes uh so smart anyway are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out i get it i've been there i'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt and so i wrote the book how to hunt a total beginner's guide to hunting big game as the resource i wish existed all those years ago when i first started Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west or you're hunting whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up so you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash book. 
day two, uh, we got a slightly later start. I forgot all about this. So <laughs> I forgot the, yes. the cabin. I'm just remembering in this moment. Um, <laughs> it was such a long process for what should have been so simple. <laughs> should have been such a, an easy morning. Um, the the cabin where, where we stay is uh, it's seasonal. So like they, they shut off the water to most of the homes in the community uh, at a certain point. And so we have to like winterize all the pipes and pour antifreeze and things. And like, it's a whole process. And for, I forget, there were a number of reasons, but they started that early. So we came back uh, after that first day and was greeted by my father-in-law who said, well, we already shut the water off. So sorry, (laughs) you can't take a shower. uh, And if you have to pee, uh, just go pee on a bush. And if you have to more than pee, uh, we're going to have to dump water in the toilet to make it flush. Which happened that morning. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It actually happened the night before. Yes. The... I got up from watching Stranger Things. Of course. And decided to go poop because I needed to. <laughs> That's and woke, no woke you up and said, I need to go figure out how this works. <laughs> yes. So... That's fine. Do that in, in the, the later evening. And then uh, that morning, I was like, "This I don't want to hassle with this. I, I'm a pretty regular guy. Not that any of you wanted to know. Uh, so, you know, in the morning, this is generally going to happen for me. But I thought, Let, let's just get out there. It, it would actually be easier to just poop in the woods next to my truck than to deal with this again. Uh, but the, the coffee was strong, and so was the breakfast burrito, and I had to uh, deal with that. So... An extra what felt like 20 minutes later to just deal with that whole hullabaloo. Uh, we're finally, like half an hour later than we wanted to, we're getting on the road. We finally got to the Elkwoods probably a half hour later than I intended to, uh, and, which was slightly a bummer because my plan was, if anything, to get there earlier. Because um, the day before, we hadn't really run in, had any action until we were at least a couple miles from the road. Uh, and so that was my plan. Like, okay, well, we'll obviously, if we hear bugles or whatever, we'll, we'll stop and, and engage. But if we're not seeing anything, not hearing anything, we'll just beeline. Like we'll hike a few miles, get into that thicker stuff where we're seeing elk and then we'll slow down and start doing stuff. So that was my plan. And we're already running late. Uh, and then we had hiked not even a half a mile before we spooked up some cows. Yeah. I, we were still talking, like having a conversation cause we knew we weren't going to find anything. When you stop and say, ooh, elk, and just point off into the distance. That's a good impression. That is what I said. Ooh, elk. Ooh, elk. You can't help it. That's what you you said. said. Ooh, elk. Those were the exact words. I believe it. That sounds like me. That's what I would say. Uh, It's similar to when you're glassing for bears. Like, what everybody seems to say is you just go, you just say, bear. Like, (laughs) it just comes out of your mouth. You can't help it. And ooh, elk is also involuntary. Uh, So, yes, they were, we spooked them up. Uh, I tried to throw some you know, some lost calf calls at them. It was only like three cows. Yeah, uh, they did not care for that. They took off even faster after I called. Uh, But in the midst of all that, we, oh, we like crossed the fence and then recrossed the fence. Like (laughs) we're walking this fence line uh, and because of the cows, like we we dipped onto one side, hoping we could head them off and then they took off on another side uh, and then we, we went, crossed back under it or, yeah, we crossed to one side and those cows ran off. Then, not long after, we heard that bugle. Yeah. Uh, which was not far off either. Mm-hmm. And But it was on the other side of the fence. So we recrossed the fence, right? I think we crossed three times. because <laughs> It's highly possible. We crossed over to find the cows. And then they started heading in the other direction. 
So we there was actually like an open gate that we had to cross through, and oh, we yeah, went yeah. with that while we were chasing the cows. And then we hear the bugle again, and then we go under the fence again to go chase that way. That sounds yeah. I remember a lot of chaos with that fence, uh, but with this bugle, just just ripped off a couple hundred yards. Didn't sound far, and we had absolutely perfect wind mm-hmm. to like it could not have been more directly in our favor yeah. from where this bugle was. Uh, so we just we went after it i think we probably only hiked a few hundred yards uh before i started to see some elk motion it was very close to where we had just spooked the cows just crossed over yeah uh it was amazing and so this bull i'll i'll set up what the scene that we walked in on and then you should take away from your memory of how everything unfolded after that okay uh but this is again this is like the second week of october i think um the 7th yeah, it opened on the 7th, and this would have been the 9th because we weren't able to hunt mm-hmm. opening day because I had work stuff. Um, but uh, so, yeah, October 9th, and I was amazed that they were still bugling. I was thankful that they were. But what we walked up on was there's this herd of elk, uh, I mean, at least dozen, 15 elk in total, and there's this really nice-sized herd bull, and he is actively screaming his face off and chasing off two other satellite bulls. Uh, there was a, a decent five and this raghorn that he was just, they, they weren't like locked antlers fighting, but he was just screaming and running them off while the cows were basically feeding like they were too good for any of the, the boys being stupid around them. Uh, so just like legitimate rut activity on October 9th. I don't even know what to make of that, but I was so pumped. Like, it's amazing to see anyway. I was so pumped that my son got to see it. But we're not here for the bulls. We're here for the cows. So as we walk upon this setting, what happens? Well, this was like a perfect scene because the cows aren't moving around with them. So we just have this kind of stationary distraction with noise for them to be listening on that while we're kind of sneaking up. And at a certain point, there was another bull that came up while we were, I think while we were approaching, it wasn't before I'd taken my first shot, that this was like, this was a trophy bull. He was enormous. And I didn't register that it was a bull until I had seen movement and saw like the herd or just the three bulls that were fighting register him there so i thought they were all taking off already and it was just really cool to see how big he was so once we got over that distraction we start crawling up on them not crawling we were walking at that point and we get to like what was it two somewhere in 200 yards with my first shot no you were set up at it was 130 oh yeah we got real close yeah we were able to like try to find some cover that we could kind of hide behind and creep up along uh, and then got you set up lion pro like we we dropped our packs and I set you up prone over my pack mm-hmm. uh, just in the spot with some some oak trees behind us to try to break up our outline uh, and it happened at, like the the cows were just feeding and I ranged them at 130 I thought this they don't seem to know we're here this is perfect let's lay them down get them all set up and then take it away well this area didn't have all those thin trees that were really close to each other it had bigger oaks that were kind of far apart Yes, so, there, there were more shooting lanes. Yeah, but they were. we had to wait for the elk to... It was like almost just the width of an elk was the lane that we had, and they were all coming across this line while they were feeding. So some of them would take a few steps too far. Some of them would just start walking by. Some of them would... Yeah, that, that's yeah, basically the, the three scenarios. Would, a, a pair came, like, yes. stacked on top of each other, and you... So I'm so glad. You, you handled yourself really well passing on not great shots, because I was... So, I was about to say like don't shoot the two like because you know i please don't shoot two elk at once uh and you you had already held yourself off it was great but then finally this one 
stops like a couple of them keep going on and this one hangs out right just dead center of your shooting lane and what do well, you do <laughs> i take a shot because it was like the last one there were maybe three more behind it and i don't actually know that for sure i'm just guessing um so i take a shot because i have a clear shot i was gonna take a shot on the one before another one started overlapping it behind so this one came up right in between right after them yeah. and i just took a shot we could hear it we could hear it hit and I mean, in the split second between I'm waiting so that I don't jerk the trigger as much as I already did with looking up to see if something happened and the elk going down, I see blood because I've hit the femoral on the back. Femoral? Is that what it is? The, there is femoral. Yeah. But you, yeah, I, I think you, there was a lot of blood. So I'm there assuming was a lot of blood. there was some femoral going on because uh, you hit kind of, you hit, hit her in the spine. I hit high and back, which was yes. not anywhere near where I was aiming, but no, there, it still worked. Yeah, a lot, a lot happened. So the shot rings out and I, I'm coaching you. I'm trying to film all of this and I'm watching this unfold. Uh, and in that I see her drop yeah. like as you hit and I like, I mean, just celebration and elation. And again, that it was also some of my favorite footage was watching your excitement as you realize like, oh, she fell down. Yeah. Like this worked. I hit her. But then there, that's not. The full end. So, so what happened? What do we have well, to deal with? Well, then a split second later, we see her struggling because where I hit on the spine paralyzed her back two legs. Mm-hmm. So she is bleeding a lot, but at this point, she can still get up and start, or trying to get up and start running. So we have to take another shot to put her down. But at that point, she was down in like this bank of high, taller grass that I couldn't tell if there was like dirt that would be blocking her where she was laying down. So we got closer to like within 100 yards, I think. Yeah, I think we were just under 100 yards. And I took a shot. I don't think that second one hit. Yeah, I'm not sure which of the two, because you took two follow-ups. But then she was still struggling after that. And then I took a third. And then eventually later we found another hole in like right where you want it on the shoulder. So I'm guessing that would have stopped her like the third shot did. Yes. Well, and we, yeah, we found that little hole and you, when we were processing the meat, you, yeah, we found, you found bullet. your bullet lodged in her like far side front shoulder, I yeah. think. Uh, so yeah, one of those two follow-up shots went right through the vitals and finished her off. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause she was certainly like stone cold dead when we walked up on yep. it. Uh, but yeah, it was just, I mean, amazing moment. What? I know you don't like talking about feelings. What were what you, are those? what were you thinking and feeling as you like walked up and like, oh my God, she's dead. This this really happened. I just I just harvested my first elk. Share. I actually remember you asking me while we were walking up, was it tough walk watching her struggle? And my immediate response was no. Because I was focused mainly on just the adrenaline of I have hit an animal for the first time. What do I do from here? <laughs> so you were too, yes, that, that that makes you sound like a sociopath. That's not what you mm-hmm. are. Um, but more the like you're just so focused on the this is the task at hand. Yeah. And she's struggling, so it's not done yet. Mm-hmm. So what am what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I'm not uh, out of that zone yet. Yeah, not not time to feel. So that's all past. <laughs> like, don't you know, she's now officially dead. Uh what what are the thoughts or the feelings as you are like kneeling over and touching for the first time this elk that you killed. I'm just excited. I mean, I'm not used to the feeling and idea that I have killed the animal. So it's hard for me to process for a second. I was the one who actually took this. It's not an animal that I just found dead or something like that. <laughs> Do you find a lot of dead animals? We found a dead elk the day before. Well, yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. And you've been 
Have you been a was this the first animal? This might have been like you haven't even been with me on other successful hunts. No, I've not. Yeah, so you this was your first time like skinning, gutting, like deal it. Well, we did gutless, but most of the time, I mean, you cut into the. That, we don't have to. We don't have to share that with the people. How I accidentally <laughs> trying to get <laughs> the hind quarter sides. off. I may have made a small incision that let some of the gut come out, but it stayed encapsulated. It was fine. All right, I think most hunters can relate to this, that I'm an absolute information junkie, and I've lost more hours than I care to admit diving down a research rabbit hole. And because of that, I love a good online course that's going to take me on a deep dive into whatever topic has captured my attention. Usually it has to do with hunting. So when I learned about outdoor class, I knew it was going to be something I was way into. I just didn't realize it was going to be as next level awesome as it is. Outdoor class is the e-learning platform for the outdoorsman. It has a top-notch lineup of the most reputable voices in the industry sharing their vast knowledge on all things hunting on one amazing platform. Ever want to learn how to elk call? Outdoor Class has you covered. Freezer full of deer meat? Outdoor Class will show you how to turn that into a meal to remember. When I first signed up, I started diving into Remy Warren's course on finding mule deer. Absolutely next level. And they have the web-based course and a mobile app to boot so you can up your hunting game no matter where you're at. The platform is already packed with tons of amazing content, and I've been talking to the guys behind this, and there is so much more in the works from big names in the industry that I'm super pumped about. So head over and check out Outdoor Class today, and if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll save 20% on your registration. A lot's going on. Um, so you have harvested your first elk. Uh, we take all the pictures and the footage mm -hmm. and all that stuff, and then... Uh, skin it out, bone it out. We are at this point, we're seven, nine miles. From yeah. The truck. 0.79 miles in a straight line from the truck. And so I decided it's just the two of us. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, she's a full mature cow. Uh, it was a lot. It, it was, it was not a small amount of meat. And I only carried two bags. Yes, that is true. So the, the debate was, okay, do we want to take two reasonable loads or, I mean, it's a short trip, just one, like, gut-wrenching, this-is-awful trip. Uh, and we decided to do the one gut-wrenching, awful trip. Well, we already deboned her, because it was really difficult to get the, like, knee off for some reason. Yes, that was... Initially, I was thinking, maybe we'll take two trips, and I'll save the trouble of boning it out. Uh, I didn't have a saw with me, which is what I've used before, and I was trying to, like... You know, Steve Ranella makes it look real easy to just cut some ligaments and pop the, the knee. I was having a hard time making that work. Uh, so that's when I decided, you know what, forget this, we'll pivot, we'll do one trip, and to do that, we'll need to bone it out, so lay out the contractor bag, let's bone this meat out while we're here. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it was a total of three hours for the mm -hmm. two of us to get that uh, quartered up, boned out, loaded up on our packs, and then let's start hiking. Uh, how did you feel about, I mean, that's certainly the heaviest pack you've ever hauled. Well, yeah, until then, I haven't even been using, like, an actual pack. I've just had a camouflage backpack. <laughs> yes, that is true. I So I, I fixed you up with my old XO, like, mm -hmm. adjusted it to fit you. Uh, I wasn't going to make you throw meat in just a, like, school backpack that's camo. Um, but you had, uh, like, kind of the bag of, I think, the catch-all bag of, like, neck meat, back straps. Yeah, that's like, the, you know, all the stuff that wasn't part of the quarters got thrown in this one bag uh, and the skull. Because mm -hmm. you wanted to, which we didn't even, like, we just popped it off. And so lower jaw, tongue, skin, everything was still in there. Just threw it in a game bag, threw it on your pack. Uh, and we had 0.79 miles with trekking poles in hand. 
was that your favorite thing you've ever done? It was not my favorite thing I've ever done, especially those 13 miles the day before definitely made that harder. Yes. Yes, it did. But you made it. I made it. It wasn't as terrible for me as you seem to express that it was for you. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not here to... I, I tried to divvy up the meat in an... You also had more. I did. And that's what, like, yes, you are a large 13-year-old. I still outweigh you by a good 60 pounds. Uh, and I just... I, I didn't want to... If we split it down the middle, it felt like it was just going to be a, asking a little bit too much of my 13-year-old son. <laughs> I, I was fine. I was also trying to make sure you said, do you need to take a break? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. But if you need to take a break, I'm fine. I took plenty of breaks. We never sat down. We never but there sat were plenty down. We of those like, there. hold on, give me 20 seconds to make the burning in my legs stop. Uh, and then we'll continue on. Because, uh, yes, I think I essentially, we lost some of the the front quarter meat, like one of the front quarters mm -hmm. from one of your follow-up shots. Like we, we lost a, a chunk of that meat, but essentially I had <laughs> three and a half boned out quarters on my back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a good size pack to, to haul out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it took a little bit, but, uh, but I mean, less than an hour to go three quarters of a mile. Um, threw it all in the cooler and we were, I mean, we were done. We stopped to get some extra ice, and I mean, it was like just after lunchtime, I think. Yeah, we were back at the cabin by probably 12. It was 1130 when we were heading out. So, yeah, somewhere around there. So s simple enough, like it, it happened. I mean, I think what did you you looked at your watch, right? Like after you, you would shut. She was dead. We were walking up and you looked at your watch and like, oh, we've only been hunting for 45. It minutes. was 712. <laughs> Seven, yes. And I think we were finally walking in at like 630. Yeah. 712 on a later day. Yeah. So, I mean, just super early, uh, it just all came together and mm -hmm. happened ex and you handled yourself so well. Um, and yeah, I made you help me process it. Uh, we've been eating, uh, elk probably at least three times a week yeah. since that. And, uh, she's delicious, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Delicious. And what do you, I love this feeling, uh, as the hunter, when I bring home the meat, do you like think every time we're serving elk that you're like, do you have this sense of like, haha? <laughs> I provided this meat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a good feeling, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yes. I love it. Uh man, well that uh that that is the elk hunting story. That is the the first harvest. Uh but you're not done hunting for the year. Oh no, I have the deer hunt in December. Yes. So you and uh Sarah, my wife, his mother, you know, family relationships, uh you two have some pretty sweet coos deer tags mm -hmm. uh this December. Uh, so we're going to get out there and uh, see how that goes. Hopefully we have some more meat and some awesome stories. Yeah. Uh, maybe we bring your mom in here and the three of us get to sit around the proverbial campfire and uh, and just talk about what are hopefully a couple awesome bucks that uh, that we can add to the freezer. The freezer and, that will not fit all that. Yeah. This, this has been my goal for a while is to be forced to buy a bigger freezer. Mm -hmm. uh, and you may have taken a big step towards forcing that this year. Uh, if we can get some some deer on the ground. Uh, buddy, thank you for helping me tell the story so it wasn't just me babbling on. Of course. <laughs> Sometimes people don't want to listen to you babbling on all the time. That is hurtful. And these, <laughs> these people are my friends and my audience, and they always want to listen to me babble on. You set on. me up for that. <laughs> this, is what I, this is what I deal with. Uh, all right. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will be back here soon, and hopefully Hendrick will be back on in the not-too-distant future 
to tell us about his coos deer hunt. And we'll see if, man, if you can double up uh, this year, that's that's going to give you far too much confidence. It'll be a pretty good year. That's that's a good year for just about anybody, much mm-hmm. less a 13-year-old guy who's just getting started, really. Um, but uh, just so pumped. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, Go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.